So the title of my message this morning is Let's Talk About Jesus. Somebody say Amen. Can you turn your Bibles with me to First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? First Timothy 3 16. Let me read from the New King James Version of the Bible. There's some echo somewhere. Are you working on that? Is it and without controversy? Great is the mystery of godliness. Before I read the next line, it's important we appreciate. The word, the word godliness, godliness translated from the original Greek word. word. He, was he was talking about, about the nature, nature of, of God. God. When you when even you read, read modern versions like, like the Message Bible, Bible, New Living Translation, or whatever, you will not even find the word godliness there. They even put it in a different way. But great is the mystery of the God nature or the nature of God. He was referring to God. And who and God, God is and, and his nature. So if you read in your Bible in secretliness, know what the original Greek was referring to. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now the next line says, there's a colon there, right? And then he says, God was manifested in the flesh. Comma. Justify in the spirit. Comma, seen by angels, comma, preached among the Gentiles, comma, believed on in the world, comma, received up in glory. Full stop. Somebody say amen. Can somebody tell me what, what these lines were pointing to? Who fits into this description? There are four lines. Communicated, communicated here. here. Who do you think fits of all the people from Adam to whoever? What can we say these descriptions fit? Because we want to identify something about our Lord Jesus Christ. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, even five lines. Believed on in the world, receive, or sis, receive up in glory. Who is referred to here if you are in the examination world? Can you talk to me, people? Is who? Jesus. All right. This is one of the verses of scripture that confirms clearly or confirm clearly that Jesus is God. Jesus is what? God. Because, and that's what I'm saying, if you look at the modern versions, they actually made reference to the name Jesus Christ. You can just check, for instance, from your Google, First uh, Timothy 3.16, New Living Translation, First Timothy 3.16, Message Translation. They made reference to Jesus Christ, okay? So they simplified it and made it obvious that this reference was to Jesus. But in the King James and the New King James, it says God and I, I want this because it, it justifies the position of Jesus and places him as God. So that there's no controversy. That's why it says, and without controversy, there's no controversy about it. 
What is this controversy about? Jesus Christ is one of the prophets. And he was a great prophet. And he was a man. And until we recognize that this Jesus we are talking about today is God, we haven't gotten there yet. When God created man in his image and likeness, Bible says, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, right from the foundation of the world, God knew that because he lives in eternity, we are put within the curtains or the bracket of time. So there's a limitation. But God foreknew that one day man has the possibility and the capability of messing up. So he made provision for the redemption of man by offering himself as a sacrifice. Are you there? In the mind of justice, God knew that he is the only savior of humankind. And he had to come in the form of the birthing of a son who was manifested in the flesh. So he says God was manifested in the flesh. But today, what I want to dwell on, apart from pointing out that Jesus is God, is the next line, justified in the spirit. Some say justified in the spirit. What does that mean? Because until we get that also, we will never know what Jesus Christ has paid for us. We are talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope those on Facebook, you are also connecting. We are talking about Jesus. Now, okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and we'll come back to this same verse. 1 Timothy 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Apostle Paul was writing to us, to the Corinthian church, and of course to us. And then... First uh, Corinthians 6, all right. 11. Maybe for you to appreciate what he was talking about, let me take it from verse 9. Verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists will inherit the kingdom of God. Clearly spelled out. Anybody who argues is arguing for his own doom because the same word will be open on the judgment day and judge us. I'm not the one talking here. This is God speaking through Apostle Paul. And it's written for our instruction, for correction. Then verse 11, it says, And such were some of you. I hope you can identify yourself in one of the names that we're mentioning, 9 and 10. Such were some of you. Then look at it. But you were washed. The King James says, you are washed. But you were sanctified. Then he said, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Please take note. We were what? Sanctified. No, first washed, sanctified, and justified. Now you come to 1 Timothy 3.16 and Apostle Paul making reference to God. And having identified that those 
lines in First Timothy 3.16 was a reference to Jesus. And it says that God was manifested in the flesh. Then he uses the same description, justified in the spirit. We had sinned. I hope you know that. And when we believed the gospel, we were washed. Then we were sanctified. To be sanctified means to be set apart. We were set apart from the world. That is why we say we are in the world, but we are not from this world. We don't heal from this world. Then we were also justified. To be justified means to be made right. To be made righteous. To be, to be made right on the inside. I hope you know 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, that is Jesus Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we have been made right. But what does scripture mean when he tells about this Jesus and says that he was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit? What does that mean? That is where I want us to get to today. Hallelujah. Because when we get that, we will talk about Jesus everywhere. So go back to 1 Timothy 3.16 again. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. This Jesus, Bible says the word became flesh. I hope you know that. Jesus was not named Jesus from the beginning. In the beginning, it was God Almighty, the word, and the spirit. And the three is God. I don't want to say our gods. <laughs> the three is God. It's a three in one God. It's a mystery. The God nature. You see how he began? He said, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of the God nature. We are not here to say that there are three persons that make up God. We are not here to say that there is one person that manifests in three ways. You, 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 we will appreciate that in the fullness of time. Because ultimately... Ultimately, when we arrive in the world to come, or even when we arrive in heaven, we will discover that there is one God sitting on the throne, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you ask, where is the Father? He will, he will make reference to what he told Philip. Didn't I say that if you see me, you have seen the Father? And then you ask, oh, how about the Spirit? He will tell you, didn't I tell you that when the Spirit, you receive him, he will dwell in you forever? You see the nature of God. The nature of God is that Bible says it has pleased the Father that in Christ Jesus showed all the fullness of the Godhead dwell. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or let's say the, the Almighty God, the Word, and the Spirit, all dwell in one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's a great mystery. I am not here to unravel that mystery because we will not be able to unravel it fully. But let's appreciate the simplicity of the gospel by recognizing that, number one, Jesus is God. He was manifested in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But my emphasis is still the next line. Justified in the spirit. What does that mean? Because we were justified because we, we to be justified, somebody has put it this way, just as if you never sinned. So if we are to, supposed to use the same language for Jesus, did he sin? He didn't sin. But what happened? Here is the point. Please get to know this so you can talk about Jesus everywhere. Listen. Had this not happened, 
Jesus Christ would have remained in the underworld forever. When Jesus Christ became sin for us, I just quoted 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. What, he didn't become a sinner. He became sin for us. And I've explained in my preaching about the gospel that when Jesus Christ was in Gethsemane and he was battling between the will of the Father and his personal will, the battle had to do with drinking into his spirit the cup of iniquity, the cup of our sins. He was going to drink into his spirit for the first time. The man who is clean on the inside, right on the inside, was going to carry the sin nature. And the sin nature makes one look on the inside what the leper looks on the outside. So horrible, like a caricature. It was that nature that disfigured him physically, automatically. Said that I can you imagine not one person's sin, the sins of all humankind, and they are all heaped into your spirit. It automatically it, it automatically denatured his physical appearance. So Isaiah had prophesied that when we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we shall we should desire him. Meanwhile, you know Jesus is beautiful, is that not so? But the sin he carried in his spirit disfigured him denatured him, made him look so horrible. Said that when people pass by, they were even, Bible says, we hid as it were our faces from him. We couldn't, we couldn't look at him twice. It was not because of anything. It was because of the sin that had been heaped into his spirit. Listen, he dreaded it. If you were the one, you would have even done worse. Maybe you would have said, no, 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 that's not this one. I can do everything, but not this one. Hallelujah. I can do everything, but to carry this horrible thing into my spirit, no. But he did it. He submitted his will to the will of the Father, and God heaped all the sins from Adam to the last but one Adam, because he died as the last Adam. So all the sins, how did he do that? Even to the, I mean, to the extent that the sins of those who are not yet born, he carried it. How did he do that? The Bible says he offered himself through the eternal spirit. So because the Holy Spirit was involved, it, 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 was, um, it was enough. How do, how, how do I put it? It was, it was um, the word is not enough. It was, it was done on behalf of eternal generations. That's the word. What he did was not just for those who live in his days, he did it for all generations, including you and me. He offered himself, and then the Father now heaped all the sins of humanity into his spirit. So he became, as it were, in fact, I won't use the word he became a sinner. He became sin. Just like scripture puts it, he, he has made him to be sin. Do you know sin? It's like this one. Mm. I can't behold it. That is why the father turned his back on him. The father couldn't behold it because everything you can think about, the root of all sins were heaped into this man's spirit. Then, from scripture, we know that because of that, he died physically. Jesus Christ would never have died physically if he, has, he had not first died spiritually. When he became sin for us, sin, sin 
the wages of sin is what? Death. So when he became sin for us, he died spiritually. In other words, he was separated from the Father spiritually. And as a result, he could die physically. And when he died physically, his spirit that had become sin was separated from his physical body. But that spirit didn't go to heaven. Why? Because he had become sin. So he descended to hell and should have remained in hell if not for provision that was made through his shed blood. And that's what I call the hidden agenda of God. God had a hidden agenda in the sense that Jesus' blood that was in his physical body, which was shed whilst he was suffering on the cross. In fact, from Gethsemane, he started bleeding because when he was praying, the Bible says that his sweat were, as it were, thick cloths of blood. It was not the sweat per se. It was the, the apprehension, the, the dread of my sin and your sin being heaped into his spirit. That opened up his pores. So blood started oozing from his his blood vessels through the pores and you could see blood it was not just sweat they couldn't tell how was the man bleeding because this man he has never bled before so they had to put it that way but it was blood that started coming out until you know he went through the process the night hour the next morning they put the crown on his head started bleeding until they nailed him so he he shed all his blood but the glory and the beauty of the gospel is that this blood that was shed was not like the blood of Adam or any Adamic generation for that matter. This blood was stainless. I hope you know stainless. We have stainless steel. This blood was never contaminated with sin. For he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Had Jesus sinned once, his blood would have been stained and therefore wouldn't have been efficacious to remit, to remove, to wash away the sin nature. So, Bible says, if the princes of this world had known this, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Because they thought that, ah, we have finished this man. You see, he saved others. Come down and save yourself, then we'll believe you. You see, humanity, we want to see before we believe. They heap all the insults on him. Ah, he saved others. But finally, I like it when one of the centurions said that surely this man was a son of God. But it was too late. He was gone. How I wish that we will get some people saved before it's too late. Because I can imagine how dreadful it is when you got to know the truth only when the person had passed on. Say, ah, this man was a son of God. By that time, he was gone. But thank God, that belief, I believe that he followed up. I believe that centurion must have been one of the people like, like Nicodemus, like, uh, like Jesus, uh, uh, what's the name? Joseph of Arimathea. All those people were, you know, they were, they were people who believed, but they were hiding. Okay? We call them the Nicodemuses. That's why it has become a part of our English language that People Nicodemusly, you know, there are a lot of people who believe the gospel, but they are not forthright or outright with it. They, are, they don't show their faces. They are hiding somewhere. But in this end time, God wants you and me to talk about Jesus. He is our savior. He is our everything. Listen, when we get to know the price this man has paid for us, we will talk about him every day. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, because 
he carried the sin nature descended to hell. And I'm sure I can imagine what happened in hell. Colossians actually gives us an idea. The book of Colossians. Time will not permit me to. But Bible talks about he disarmed all principalities and powers. In the book of Colossians, Bible tells us so. He disarmed. What does that mean? That means that Satan recalled all principalities and powers from the first heavens, from the second heavens, from the astral world, from the metaphysical world, from the marine world. Hey, all of you, the man who tormented us has come here. We're going to keep him here. So you can imagine the number of guards that were placed around Jesus. You can imagine every hierarchy of the demonic structure were all in hell. I'm sure all those who were sick of demonic infection got healed automatically just because they left their posts. You know, they left the bodies of people and descended to hell. The man who's, who tormented us has come here. Let's keep him there. First day, the man was there. Second day and night, the man was there. Third day and night, the man was there. But glory be to God. Little did they know that the blood the man shed was the price to wash the very thing that he had carried into his spirit. God washed Bible says he was justified in the spirit. In other words, he was made just as if. This time he never sinned, but he was made right in the spirit. I wanted to get that. If Jesus had not been made right in the spirit, we would never have been made right. Never. We could never have received remission of sins if not for Jesus. So he became my substitute. He became, he became me. He took my place. That is why we must take his place. He died for me. That is why we must live for him. Praise the Lord. Is somebody hearing me? He took my place. So I must take his place. He died for me. I must live for this Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So, justified in the spirit. Then the next line says, seen by angels. And I hope you know that the very first people who saw his resurrection was an angel. In fact, one of them looked like a, you know, a man sitting by. And then the first woman who went there was a, a Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus had cast out seven devils. And she was crying. They were asking, who would roll away the stone? Then the angel said, that, are you looking for Jesus? He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. And he's gone ahead. Go and tell the bread, I mean, his disciples. And Peter, they even mentioned, because Peter... I'm telling you, he had already left the faith. He had gone back to fishing. He, he had condemned himself for him to, you know, Jesus told him that before the cock crows, I mean, uh, twice, you will deny me thrice. And it happened dramatically. And the man couldn't just believe that, hey, this man is a prophet. I mean, he spoke it and it came to pass. So he had, he had abandoned the faith. But thank God. God showed him mercy and brought him in again. What am I saying? All I'm saying is that all these descriptions fit Jesus. He was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles. And we must still preach this Jesus among the Gentiles. Preach this Jesus even among the Jews. Because in Romans 1 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But because Apostle Paul was writing to the Gentile, you know, church, he, you know, referenced, preached among the Gentiles, believe on in the world. 
Somebody must believe my message. Somebody must believe your message. We must talk about Jesus unto those who are blinded, who think that they must do something to get salvation, get to know that somebody has already paid the price. He paid the debt that he did not owe. He carried my sin. He carried your sin. As we are preparing for Easter, some few weeks from now, let's make the gospel of Jesus Christ the number one communication. Talk about Jesus. Because this, this age is drawing to a close. Are you not seeing that? It's drawing to a close. Everything that God brings to our disposal, including what we have now, where we are sitting now, where we have the platform to preach on air, online radio, and you have the platform to you know, stream what you're doing on Facebook, it is an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Sometimes when I see how people have tools at their disposal, powerful tools, some of the music when you hear you feel like, wow, then heaven will be very sweet. There's a song I have seen some people post over and over and over. And when you hear the song, the piano alone just gives you an idea how melodious heaven is. So powerful, so invigorating, so, un I mean, this is music. And But when you listen to the lyrics, I can give you one or two lines in that song. The song says that, there's a place for people like you. After you have shown kindness here and done this good and do there's a place for people like you. Okay? He was talking, he said, after you have left this world, there's a place for people like very nice song. But I ask myself that hey, this sounds like the gospel, but it's not the gospel. Do you know why? Because he is preaching, the person singing, in fact, he did it with a mass choir very powerful, but he's preaching that okay, you do good, do what you can do to society, and after you have left this world, there's a place for people like you. You go, in fact, they even made reference to after you've gone to heaven, there's a place for people like you. I said, come on. You, there is only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. So if you believe that after I've done this good work, you check that song on YouTube. You will love the you will love the piano, the piano taste, the taste of the piano. I don't know how to put it. It is powerful, so melodious. So anytime I hear that song, I said heaven will be very sweet. I'm telling you. And this tool is put at such a person's disposal, but he's communicating something that makes you look like it's okay for you to do good works and your good works will give you a place for people like you. Who told you so? Who told you so? Your good works will only follow you after you have the ticket. The ticket is what? Salvation. If you don't have the ticket, you don't have no entry. And if you don't enter, your good works will remain. In fact, it will burn. Because he will look through your works like he, with his eyes, which are like unto a flame of fire. And everything that was not found upon Christ, though they were good works, they will burn to ashes. Please, let's talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's help the world to know that it's not about just doing good. Sometimes you hear people saying that, oh, this man was good. He was doing so much good in society. And so what? That is not the way to salvation. The way to salvation is to believe that somebody took your place. Somebody carried your sin. 
to the extent that he also needed justification in the spirit. That is what I wanted to get. Listen, for Jesus to need justification in the spirit, a man who never sinned and yet needed justification. Do you think God will take it kindly when you reject such an offer? God will not take it kindly. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's let, let's let the world know. Our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, those we sit in the same office with, who believe that I'm doing good, I am very right. I make sure that I do my work. I come to work very early. I close on time. I do. All those things are good. Yet they don't save anyone. There's only one savior. He is my savior. He sets me free. He is my everything. Now what about you? Hallelujah. Will we talk about Jesus? I had a scripture to talk about. I mean, maybe, all right, let me just, let me just read through um, those scriptures and then we can close. Acts 13, this is Apostle Paul. After he had been commissioned by, by the Holy Spirit, he and Barnabas were sent by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 13. And then, somewhere along the line, he found himself in a place he had to preach the gospel. Come on, you read the whole of Acts 13, you hear Apostle Paul's communication of the gospel. The man had deep knowledge about Jesus. He had what we call the exegesis. He could, he could break scripture, you know, line upon line and tell you about Jesus. And I wish that we would grow up like that. Then we will have the ability to communicate the knowledge of Jesus in its simplicity. A man like Stephen also had the same grace. When he started talking about Jesus, he started from, you know, the generations passed, and he broke it down. May God raise the people who have understanding about this Jesus, so that every scripture you can use it to preach Jesus. Like Philip. Philip was in a big crusade, and the Holy Spirit told him that leave what you're doing and go and meet, you know, uh, somebody in the wilderness. He, he met one person, and Bible says that he heard the, 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 the eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, reading the scriptures, and it was about, you know, uh, 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 he was reading Isaiah. And Bible says, Philip prayed to Jesus, prayed to him from that same scripture, Jesus Christ. This whole word is about Jesus. If you, if you study your word and read the word of God, it doesn't matter. Somebody can bring an, you see, an, a, a conversation. But you, you have at the back of your mind that you want to, you want to yeah, use the word, quote unquote, trick him into Jesus. Are you there? I said, well, trick him into Jesus. The person is just making an argument, but you just listen to his words and then pick one word and preach unto him Jesus. Trick him into Jesus. You must be deliberate and purposeful about your communication, you know, about Jesus. Let me put it that way. You must be deliberate. You must have a strategy. I have listened to some people who don't even believe the gospel the way we believe. And if I tell you how they plan, I was like, really? This was, I didn't let the person know that I was learning from him. Though they don't preach the gospel that we preach, but they actually sit down and strategize that as we go, okay, this is the conversation I will initiate. And then I will intentionally mention this particular, you know, theme. And then the person, have you heard about this? And then once the person says no, then he will take advantage and preach their doctrine. And I'm telling you, the doctrine is not the doctrine that we know. Yet they are purposeful. They are intentional about what they are, you know, preaching. But we, we leave everything to default. It ought not to be like that. 
We live in it. It's like, okay, when the opportunity comes, no. You must wake up with, what are we doing here in this world? Apart from making sure that somebody else comes to know my Jesus and your Jesus. That's all. Then we will get home. If we don't, we will delay the work. And because God has no will that anybody should perish, he may pass the baton to the next generation. So we all have to go through the exit door of death. And yet we are not all supposed to die before we go to heaven. There must be a generation who are saying that, hey, we must work towards his coming. So let's get everybody ready. And unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin for salvation. Oh, glory be to God. My Jesus, I love you. Okay, so I'm picking verse 28 through 39. Let me just read through. You hear some of the things Apostle Paul, you know, said in Acts 13. He said, And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings that, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Please take note of verse 3, it's a prophetic word. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. When you read Psalm 2, you see this verse, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Which begotten is he talking about here? He's talking about when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a begetting. He was born again. He was born first through the womb of Mary as the only begotten son. But here, he was born again as the first begotten of the dead or from the dead. Are you there? That's powerful. But God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure message of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will... You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let, us, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified. That's all I'm saying. By this Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. In other words, Apostle Paul was making reference to the Father. See, the blood that you people were shedding under the law of Moses could not make anybody right. It could only cover your sins for one year. And after a year, there was rehearsal of sins. But here comes this man, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about him. Let somebody believe so that the person could be justified from all things. As though the person never sinned. Lift your hands. Let's begin to talk to our father. I have a father. Father means source. Listen, child of God, you have a father. He gave birth to you. Jesus, he is making reference to Jesus who was begotten from the dead. Born again. 
the first to be born again. Bible calls him in Romans 8, the firstborn amongst many brethren. Can you imagine when you have a father whose firstborn is your senior brother and your Lord and your Savior? What confidence God has given us for us to approach him and talk to him. Not anyhow, but talk to him confidently on the basis of the trust that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have desired of him. I don't know your petitions, but we know that we have everything we are asking for is so that we will be enabled to preach this gospel. May we put the gospel at the disposal of all men that we come into contact with. Be strategic about your communication, you know, of the gospel. Be strategic. Use every facility, every opportunity to talk about Jesus. Can you begin to talk to your father, child of God? I don't know whether you feel like you have to make amends with God. In the realm of a spirit, I see God cleansing us and washing us. And, and bringing us to the place where we will hate sin and love righteousness i'm telling you the lord showed me a picture i was sharing with mr former two earlier on god the lord showed me and showed me this thing that see sin what sin does to the believer is that sin remove you see you have you have cultivated a tree and you are that tree you are supposed to bear fruit okay and sometimes you have the tree and the tree has not even borne fruit but sin will we'll make sure that it removes even the leaves and the flowers so there will be no fruit. And if fruits come, sometimes some of the fruits are not ripe yet. Then sin will remove all the fruits. So you're not getting there. Meanwhile, God's dream is that you as a tree, you will bring forth your fruit when? In your season, according to Psalm 1. So, so long as sin comes in the life of the believer, what happens is that it stops the believer from getting his fruit. And if he gets the fruit, it stops the believer from getting the fruit ripe. But we are supposed to get to the place where all the fruits, you see, sometimes we are attracted, people get attracted to what we are doing. It's not only ministry, everything. We are supposed to be fruit-bearing Christians. So one fruit here, one fruit there, and nobody seems to care about you. No problem. All you need to do is to make sure that all the fruits are ripe. The same thing we are preaching today. Can I announce to the whole world? The same thing that I preach today, that maybe you may find just 10 people, 12 people listening to. I announce that the day will come when all the fruits are ripe. Jesus Christ, the same message, it will attract millions of people. Amen. I prophesy it in the name of Amen. Jesus Christ. And it shall come to pass. Amen. We will not change the message. We will only have to ensure that we don't get the fruits destroyed before they get ripe. When the fruits are ripe, all the fruits are ripe, mind you, it will attract every good people and it will also attract all the attacks. At that level, glory be to God, we would have built a shield about us because we would have worked with God so deep enough to know that when the fruits are ripe and they are attacked, we are still secure. For in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our Amen. being. But all God wants to get with us and, you know, with our lives is so that the fruits will get ripe. First, you will get the fruits even coming on, on, your, on your life. May, may they see your fruits and come for Jesus Amen. in you. 
lift your voice. Let's pray. Let's pray. That is why the believer should not live in sin. That is why the believer should not participate, should not be actively involved in sin. No, no, sin is a reproach. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. I'm telling you, for God to have made us righteous, it is all about exaltation. It's all about progress. It's all about increase. It's all about fulfillment. But sin is a reproach unto any people. Sin will rob you of the fruits. Sin will destroy the fruits. Sin will rob you of the fruits getting ripe. Sin will destroy. He wants us to encourage one another, exalt one another, and so much the more, so we will live holy, so we will live pure. The Bible says we should follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That we will live pure and holy, that we will excuse, excuse sin, we will hate sin. The Bible talks about Jesus, that he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore the Lord, even his God, anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows, that God will anoint us with the oil of gladness, that we will be filled with the Spirit to the overflow, that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water, that wherever we go, the anointing will flow, and the power of God will attain to people through our words, through our works, through our walk, that when we touch, it shall be the touch of God, when we speak, it shall be God speaking, when we breathe, it shall be the breath of life, that God's spirit in us will find room in us to manifest himself in every facet and faculty of our being that we will not put any hindrance and we will not put any barrier to the flow of God's spirit. We pray, Holy Father, that you will clean us up as a people as we get ready for Jesus and his coming, that we will live right because he is right, that we will live pure because he is pure, that we will live holy because he is holy. Holy Father, we call on you that we will not live in sin and that we will live right before God for he is right and righteous I hear the Lord say the first shall be last and the last shall be first let him that think of his standard take heed lest he falls he said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling we pray holy father that we will see our salvation as a treasure that we will treasure our salvation so much that we will not allow sin to rob us of the sweet fellowship we have with your spirit on a daily basis in the name of Jesus Christ and Minicatizer, <laughs> 
Rando, Eborosebra Baranteki, Ejigigento Sagaya, that we will live right, that we will live holy, that we will live pure, that we will have a, a, a wonderful walk with Jesus. As it is, so are we in this world, that we will not let sin have dominion over us any longer, but we are wars, we are sanctified, we are justified. Jesus Christ was justified in the spirit, and that brought the basis for our justification. And because we are justified, because we are made right on the inside, we choose to live right, we choose to think right, we choose to talk right, we choose to walk right with God in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.